when you try me with a mediocre question, that's the result you're going to get. <laughs> uh, starting left fielder. Uh, Ichiro. No! God, please, no! No! There is some potential there. If he would just, I don't know, use his brain. Um, <laughs> because, especially, I mean, come on, man. Jerry Depoto's the GM. Who the hell knows? Looking out my window and this FedEx driver just hit a tree. You are no gentleman. And neither are you. Hey guys, what's going on? And welcome to the Soto Mojo podcast. My name is Colby Patnode. I'm joined as always by Ty Gonzalez. Ty, how are things from the land of enchantment, I believe, right? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, me and my, uh, what did we say it was? An emerald house? I think it, uh, Turquoise. Turquoise house, yes. Me and my turquoise house and my uh, all that swimming pool full, yeah, my, my swimming pool full of gold coins and all that, like I'm Serge McDuck. Uh, yeah, it's been great, man. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you know, unfortunately, it's the uh, the end of the baseball season, at least for the Mariners, and we got the playoffs coming up, so that's fun. But uh, you know, it's always sad when Mariners baseball goes away for a few months. Uh, it does. The actual on the field goes away for a few months. The uh, yeah. off the field stuff usually kicks up about a month from now. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's kind of an interesting time. Um, you know, you're either checking out of baseball completely or you're jacked up for the playoffs uh, and everything in between. So um, we're not going to guess what your anticipation level is. We're just going to talk some Mariners baseball. Um, And since the last time we talked, uh, some things have happened, uh, obviously, as things do. Um, So on today's show, we're going to talk about Felix Hernandez and his final start. We're going to talk about uh, the draft pick that the uh, Seahawks, see, the Mariners locked up, uh, thanks to their performance over the last week, let's call it. Um, And then we're going to talk a little bit about Jerry DePoto's exit interview with Greg Johns and what exactly he means when he talks about a moderate offseason. But before we get to that stuff, let's jump right in to to Felix Hernandez, who made an emotional final start uh, for the Mariners. Um, Although not officially his final start with the Mariners. I mean, technically they could bring him back, but based on the way that felt, uh that that that's it i mean he's he's done here yeah. so i mean ty what what did what did you think that was quite a spectacle yeah unfortunately i didn't get to see it live um but i you know i saw the uh you know him when they took him out and the ovation that he got and everything that followed afterwards and i mean it's it's an emotional moment because you know even for how Poorly, we've talked about Felix over the last couple of years and how just we generally feel, and rightly so, for, for how you know poor his performance has been. But, you know, still, the, the end of an era. And, uh, you know, Felix has meant so much to this organization and has meant so much to, to me personally uh, watching this team. And he was, you know, truly uh, the lone bright spot in this team for for quite a few years at the at the start of this decade and um you know it, it's it's sad to see someone like that go and especially you know we we had to say goodbye to each row to start this year and then we end the year by saying goodbye to felix and it, it, it was a lot um but i think the send-off was great i think the way that the mariners handled it and, and the, uh the fans who who all came out and how they packed the king's court and everything for him and I, I thought it was just a, a really special moment to honor one of the greatest Mariners in, in the organization's history. And um, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm really happy that um, this was able to end on a high note because it looked like for, for a lot of, uh, you know, for the last couple of years that it wasn't going to be able to end in, um, you know, and, you know, everyone kind of walking away content. You know, I, I thought this was going to end in an ugly fashion, and it and it didn't really in the end, and uh, and that was nice. I, right. I'm I'm really happy with that. Yeah, I, it was a really cool thing to see. Um, obviously, wish you could have been a part of it. Uh, our own uh, Colton and uh, Skyler, they were members of the King's Court, 
they wrote some really good pieces up about it on sotomojo.com. You guys can go check that out. Uh, yeah, you know, like you said, it's an end of an era. The Felix Hernandez era was arguably the worst era in the franchise's history, filled with some of the very best moments, and a lot of them were thanks, you know, thanks to Felix himself. So um, it was really emotional. I think the uh, it was just, you know, it was fun to see Felix go out there, and he didn't pitch too poorly either. I, I think that's a, a nice. He wasn't, you know, it wasn't classic old Felix, but um, it's pretty easy to write a script there where he only gives up one run. Uh, and you know, he does his thing. There was a bad, uh, check swing that was missed. And like the next hitter hit a home run, uh, Matt Olson, I think it was, he had a two run home run. Um, but it was just cool. You know, there was obviously the strikeouts and the acknowledgement of the Kings court. Uh, there was the insane, uh, Dylan Moore catch out in left field. Um, Felix got all fired up for, and then the, the send off the, the tears on, on the field and the emotion in the dugout and, uh, obviously the ovation as he left the game. And, um, and then afterwards, as he runs out there to acknowledge the, the court and he hangs out with them and he takes pictures and he signs things. Um, it's, it's really not hard to see why Seattle loves Felix Hernandez. Um, you know, he, he's the guy who stayed, he's the guy who wanted to be here through it all. Um, it's unfortunate that they never quite reached their goal. Um, like I said, I've been, critical of Felix for the last couple years because I don't think he's done everything or he did everything in his power from basically 2017 t- till the end of the season to help this team reach their goals. But, uh, you know, it just, it wasn't a night for that. It was just a night to celebrate, uh, the best pitcher in franchise history. And, you know, he says he wants to keep pitching. We'll see if he gets another opportunity. Um, but I just thought it was just kind of the perfect send off. You know, thank you for your time here, Felix. Um, we still love you. And when it's all over and your career's over, you're always going to have a home here. And I'm sure you'll get your number retired. You'll be in the team's Hall of Fame without question. Um, and yep. when you do ultimately hang it up, you can bet this fan base is going to do everything in its power to make sure that Cooperstown gives you a call um, yep. as soon as possible. So um, it, was just, it was just a great send-off overall. And it was just kind of a... It, it, honestly, it felt to me like the season that was just the end of the season. And okay, that's that's how we're going to end this pup, puppy, and then the rest doesn't really matter. Um, and so it was it was emotional. It was fitting when you consider how they started the year, uh, saying goodbye to Ichiro finally. Um, and you know you wrap all that up with the positive sandwich, uh, the meat in the middle, Edgar Martinez being inducted finally into the Hall of Fame. It was just it was such a great uh, year for kind of off the field type of things, um, which really kind of, you know, eased a little bit of the on the field product. So uh, it was just a great way for the Mariners fans to say thank you to Felix and for Felix to say thank you to the Mariners uh, fans and uh, obviously the Kings court. So, um, you know, I wish Felix the best of luck. I don't want him anywhere near this team uh, as a starting pitcher. Um, I, that doesn't change because he was decent in his final start, but uh, well-deserved. And like I said, Felix, when you retire, you can expect the same, you know, kind of push that Mariners fans made for Edgar Martinez to get you into the hall of fame. Um, and I will certainly be right there trying to push, push that, uh, that resume out there for you as best I can. So thanks for, thanks to Felix. It was, it was a great moment and yeah. the Mariners just seem to be, have a good knack for that. Don't they just kind of sending guys out the right way. Yeah. Yeah. They, I think they've handled, all of this beautifully and, and a lot of that goes to the to the PR team their PR team is one of if not the best in baseball um, and they've done everything right uh, from you know getting Edgar into the hall over the last couple of years that whole campaign that they've been doing and to you know the the extended Kings court here in the last game and, and uh, how you know, just how the Mariners organization as a whole handled the Ichiro situation, how Scott Service handled that. Um, just a really good job throughout the organization on all accounts to uh, to really honor these these Mariner legends in, in the best way possible. Yeah, it is, uh, as of right now, what they do best. And hopefully in the next year or two, we won't care about those little things because we'll be talking about who's starting game one. Uh, for the Mariners in the playoff series. But uh, yep. like I say, it was just, it was fantastic to see um, 
Seattle's kind of a weird little sports town, man. It really is. And uh, I think in a way this is like a closing of a chapter and hopefully yep. the beginning of a new one, you know, and it's, um, and hopefully this, you know, now as we go into the next decade and hopefully the, the this team sees a lot more success on the field and, you know, unfortunately Felix couldn't get there, but, you know, and I, and I wanted to write this, but I actually wound up not, um, in one of my articles the other day that, you know, when the Mariners get to the, to the playoffs, eventually they're going to do that for, not just for them, but for Felix, for, you know, for Ichiro, for all these guys that stuck with this team for so long and, um, weren't able to get there. You know, obviously Ichiro got there in 2001, but other than that, you know, it's, it's been, it's been a rough go of it for a lot of these, these guys that, contributed greatly to this team to this team and this organi- organization but just you know fell short of, of the of the goal and you know hopefully you know I, I'm very confident that um, this will be the regime that gets them there uh, you know that and I'm, I and I think you feel uh, the same way um, you know th- that when they get there that this is that not only is that going to be for the city and for those specific players that get there and for that organization, but it's going to be for all those that, that came before. Yeah, it's, it's going to be awesome. And, uh, like I said, you know, it's, I tweeted this the night Felix, uh, walked off the mound. Uh, you know, this fan base is a, it's a sleeping giant. You know, there's, there's a lot of love for baseball here. It's kind of been dormant thanks to the on the field product for most of the last, you know, 20 years. Um, but it's it's here. There's an attachment, and I can't wait until they finally break through, uh, because this town and this region is going to explode. And uh, like I said, I just I hope that I get to see it uh, soon, and I, I feel pretty confident that it's coming, um, you know, sometime in the next three or four years. So, uh, yeah, it was it was just a nice reminder um, of how great the fan base can be. Uh, when you give it a reason to, and Felix certainly gave uh, this fan base a reason to come out and watch the baseball uh, that that they played, which has been mediocre at best during yeah. his uh, during his career. So it was yeah. just it was perfect. I, I mean, it, yeah. it felt perfect. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The best way right to down describe to, it. Yeah, right down to the Mariners only scoring one run for him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yep. But. Uh, yeah, but anyways, uh, so thanks, Felix. That's that's our Felix conversation. Um, probably the last one we have until uh, he retires, um, which will be uh, which will be interesting. So we'll leave it at that. And let's let's move ahead. Uh, the Mariners do uh, they kind of they split their four game series against the A's, uh, which leads leaves them with the number six overall pick. Uh, they finish just a game ahead of Pittsburgh. And I believe they were just one game back of Toronto, um, but they did hold the tiebreaker over Toronto. So the fifth pick was never really uh, up for grabs that much. So the, the Mariners pick six um, in what looks to be a pretty good draft class. Um, so let, let's talk a little bit about pick six. Um, not necessarily what it uh, not necessarily what is going to be available, although if there is somebody you want to talk about, we certainly can, but talk about what the six pick means for the Seattle Mariners and this farm system. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's still really early to focus on actual specific players. Um, obviously there's a few names out there that, you know, are, are expected to be in the top five, top six when, when we get to June, but you know, things, so many things change, you know, we still got a college season coming up and everything. So, yeah, so it's, it's going to be, uh, it's going to look a lot different once we get there. So, but I think, you know, what the six pick means is, you know, first of all, it, it helps you continue to significantly replenish this uh, farm system, which has suddenly become one of baseball's best. Uh, and, uh, you know, and also it gives them money to work with, more money to work with. And, and I'm sure you'll you'll dive into that a bit more uh, and what that means. But overall, this is just it, it's a it's another great opportunity to keep building up this organization and giving them more options and more stuff to play around with and more ammo, you know, when they want to go out and get someone and everything, they're going to have, um, they're going to have a great opportunity to just keep, um, 
adding and in, 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 in a big way. And uh, that should be overlooked. You know, I, I'm not sure what, you know, they, they'll get or what they'll wind up with at, at number six, but whatever it is, is going to be something solid that, you know, and even, you know, in the second round, third round, et cetera, uh, it's going to be you know, someone that's going to wind up in their top 10. Um, their second round pick is probably going to wind up in their top 15. You know, it's that's nothing to, to scoff at. And, you know, who knows if those players, those specific players will actually have an impact on their organization or actually, you know, grow to become Mariners or if they'll be, you know, trade chips later on. But uh, either way, it's, you know, it's adding uh, extremely valuable assets. Um, and, uh, you know, this is their best pick in what has it been like four years they've been kind of consistently in the teens for the last few years so um this is by far the this is definitely the highest pick that jerry's had right since he's been here yeah it it eclipses the number 11 overall pick that they had that they used on kyle lewis um which wasn't even really jerry's like it was jerry's pick but it was the year before they jerry was hired so um He's, you know, he's picked in the uh, anywhere between 11 and 20. He has not picked six as of yet. Um, and I think this is the highest draft pick the Mariners have had since they took Zanino, I want to say. Yeah. Number three overall. What was that, 2013? Yeah. Uh, I, I believe yeah, it was. Because they, yeah, because they started winning a bit. A little bit, yeah. After that, yeah. Yep. Um, if you guys are curious, just so you know, uh, for the number six overall pick in this year's draft was a uh, a kid by the name of uh, C.J. Abrams. Uh, he's a high school shortstop, really nice player. The number six overall pick uh, last year was an outfielder you may have heard of by the name of Jared Kelnick. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, you know, you talk about, you know, year before the six overall pick was a guy named Austin Beck. Uh, Kyle Wright went five, by the way. If that's kind of what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. AJ Puck the year before was the sixth overall pick. Um, you're just looking at this type. This, these are the type of prospects that could be available at six overall. Um, by the way, in the year before that, Tyler J was the sixth overall pick, but yep. the fifth overall pick was Kyle Tucker, and the seventh overall pick was Andrew Benatendi. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, these are some of the guys that are, these are the type of players that are available at six. Um, you mentioned the money. Uh, you know, just, try and explain that as quick as I can because it's really complicated if you're not, you know, following the draft and it, it's tough to explain to somebody who's not, you know, following the draft um, like we are. But basically what happens is every pick that you have has a slot value and major league baseball says, this is what we recommend you play, you pay for the player you draft at this spot. And what they do is they take all your picks that you have in the first 10 rounds so for the Mariners, that would be their first 10 picks unless they trade for a draft pick like they did last year. Um, and they add up the total the total amount of all 10 of those draft slots. And they say, that's your bonus pool. All right? Yeah. The bonus pool of those, first 10 pi- of, your, of those first 10 rounds, of all the picks you have in the first 10 rounds, that's how much you have to spend on all the players you draft in the top 10. And for any player you sign to more than $125,000 in rounds 11 through 40. All right. Mm, So by having the six picks, Seattle is automatic. That means they're going to have the six pick of the second round, the six pick of the third round and so on and so forth. Um, That means the higher you pick, the more money you get because that slot is worth more because in theory, the higher you pick, the better the player you pick is going to be. So what this allows Seattle to do is it allows them to play with their board a little bit and possibly get two two or more first-round talents without sacrificing the rest of their top ten picks. Um, It would be similar to the idea that they had a few years ago where they took Evan White and Sam Carlson, both first-round values, uh, in their draft, but instead of having to sacrifice rounds three through 10, like they did that year to afford them, um, you can afford both of those guys and draft normally for the rest of your draft. Um, and the way you do this, it's pretty simple is you have the six pick, you draft a player who is more than likely not going to be drafted inside the top 
10 in this case. Um, so you take somebody who is projected to go at pick, you know, 15 to the Phillies, right? Uh-huh. So you take that player and you say, okay, at pick 15, you were going to make $2.7 million. At pick six, we're supposed to pay you, you know, 4.5 or whatever it is. Uh, we'll give you $3 million with, and you'll sign with us for three. So you'll make $300,000 more, but the Mariners save 1.5 million against their overall total budget. And then when they draft in the second round, which will be somewhere in the early to mid thirties, they can go to that player and say, Hey, look, I know you want to go to high school and that's the plan, but instead of offering you the, you know, $1.6 million bonus slot here, we can, we can actually offer you $3 million uh, to come play for us. And that's the way you get two really good players in one draft. Um, Probably the most famous example of this that you guys would, that you guys might remember is uh, the Houston Astros had the number one overall pick. Uh, Byron Buxton was kind of the consensus there. They took a guy, they took a shortstop by the name of Carlos Correa, paid him under slot. And then in their, with their second round pick, they drafted a kid named Lance McCullers, paid him over slot. And so they ended up with McCullers and Correa uh, in the same draft. And that's something that Seattle can do at pick six. Um, they can play it pretty straightforward like they have for the last couple drafts as well and just take the best player at six and get a really good one. But they have options, basically, is what I'm saying here. Um, and they're going to, no matter what, they're going to end up with two top 40 picks uh, and a boatload of money to spend on these prospects. So it's... Yep. It's, it's a nice little payoff for a rough season. Um, like Ty mentioned, it's really early. Uh, Kyle Lewis wasn't on many people's radar before he was drafted in the first round. Uh, last year, kind of the, the guy who, who jumped really high in draft boards late was Alec Manoa, um, who went and, uh, uh, and, uh, really high. Hunter Bishop, too. Who's that? And Hunter Bishop. Yep. Yep, Hunter Bishop was a good one. He definitely jumped way up. Um, yeah. So yeah, it just we'll see how that all how that all plays out, and you know who kind of emerges and all that stuff. But uh, you know, I can tell you right now that the projected draft class and the projected top ten uh, players in that draft class, there's some really special names there. So Seattle's going to have an opportunity to get a really good player uh, with their yeah. first two or three picks. So. Um, we'll see how they play that, but, uh, yeah, that's, that, that's what they quote unquote earned with their 68 wins this year. So, yeah, so that's pretty exciting. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, so let's go ahead now. Let's, let's move off. Let's move off of that and let's talk about the future. Um, the future being this off season. So, um, you know, Jerry DePoto kind of does like what most, you know, what most, uh, GMs do. After the season, they kind of give an exit interview to uh, the reporters and they kind of lay out the ideas or foundation, belief, whatever. They, they put their message out there, basically, for the offseason. Um, and Jerry DePoto put out the idea that the Mariners are going to have a, quote, uh, modest, unquote, offseason, uh, followed by the term, especially when compared to last offseason. Uh and then he also said that, uh, you know, he, he wants to let the young guys play next year. And that's what next year is going to be about, uh, which has led some Mariner fans to the idea that, the, that you know, Jerry DePoto is not going to do anything uh, this offseason. So, Ty, you heard that. You read that. Um, huh. what, what did you think? And uh, what are you thinking now? Um, well, obviously, it's going to be quieter than the last offseason. They traded nearly the whole damn team. <laughs> Like, uh, yeah, I mean, um, it's, uh, it would be hard to match that and to maintain, uh, the core of young players that they have. Uh, I think really what this off season comes down to is shedding off some of the, of, uh, the, uh, I, I don't necessarily want to call it dead weight, but, you know, guys like D Gordon and stuff like that, that that's what it comes down to him and, and still being aggressive on the market. Like. You know, and trying to find perhaps a, a young starting pitcher or 
do go out and sign a starting pitcher or to acquire a starting pitcher, you know, through trade or, um, you know, and obviously they're going to look at deals for Domingo Santana, Malik Smith, and Mitch Hanniger and, and seeing what their markets look like, or at least starting that conversation to, uh, to continue into the season. I, I do believe that they won't, um, make a whole ton of deals. I, I, I think this will be the quietest offseason that, that DePoto uh, will have of all the years that he, he's been in Seattle, but that doesn't mean that he's just going to sit on his hands and do absolutely nothing either. Uh, it's just that it, it's really like he, he, he has the guys that he wants to win with right now, and he's going to be creative and adding to that group, but He's also not going to actively look to trade from that group. It's mainly going to be about offloading some of the some of the remaining veterans, like like a D Gordon, and maybe if someone comes around and offers you, you know, something really good for like Omar Nivez or or Kyle Seager, you at least have to listen on that. Um, and uh, and and that's really what it's all about. I you know he he did mention uh, Dylan Moore and Austin Nola as guys that that you know, make them pretty confident in looking at, at um, minor league free agents. And, and uh, you know, they got a pretty solid reliever in Brandon Brennan out of the Rule 5 draft last year. So they're going to more than likely make another Rule 5 selection this year. So uh, there there are going to be many avenues for them to go down. Obviously, they're, they're not going to be as busy uh, as years in the past, but that's because Jerry's had to be really creative over the last few years. You know, last year he, he began the rebuild and years before that he was kind of pigeonholed into trying to force a contending team with uh, a bunch of scraps, you know, with, with uh, a, a rough farm system and not a whole lot of payroll to work with. So, uh, yeah, it's this is going to be a more low key offseason. They they have what they have, and they and they like what they have. They you know they're gonna go with with uh, guys like Shed Long and uh, and Kyle Lewis and and uh, J P Crawford, et cetera. And Logan Gilbert's gonna be up at at some point pretty early on in the season, I assume. And um, and uh, uh, you know it, it seems like yeah, it seems like Evan White's actually going to get a legitimate chance to break camp with the team. Uh, so there's, there's a lot to, uh, there's a lot that they seem pretty, uh, pretty fit at, like where they're, they're not going to look to, to add a whole lot at certain areas just to give these guys some time. And, you know, I wrote about, I wrote about this on the site yesterday that, you know, they do have to figure out the log jam in the outfield. They have six major league caliber outfielders on their roster right now. Uh, they have two others that should be up relatively soonish within the next year and a half, you know, with Jared Kelnick and Julio Rodriguez. Uh, there's a, there's a lot to, to unpack there. And so, you know, a big part of that is uh, if they're able to trade Malik Smith or Domingo Santana or Mitch Haniger and what, and, and how they value those players and what they want to do with them. Uh, you know, and, you know, maybe perhaps they, you know, with, with someone like Santana, they look at maybe a position change, uh, with Haniger, is it, you know, do you, do you sell them off for, for less than you value them at, or same thing for, for Malik's or, you know, do you let them try to, to figure things out on the field and perhaps, uh, have, you know, Jake Fraley and, and Kyle Lewis and those guys start out this, the year in AAA because of service time. Uh, there's a lot. Listen, there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, it's going to be an off season's worth of, of topics that we'll have to cover, and, and we surely will. But it it's definitely not going to be a quiet off season. Uh, it's going to be quieter, but it's not going to be quiet. Sure. Um, you know, like like you said, it, to be fair to him, uh, to him, uh, to be fair to uh, Greg Johns. Uh, who wrote the article that we're kind of talking about here? He did uh, very clearly mention that when Depoto said it was going to be a quiet off season, he was specifically talking about additions uh, to the major league roster. Uh, he was not talking about uh, you know subtractions. Uh, and you've already mentioned f- pretty much all of them: the potential of Omar Nurfayez, uh, you know, obviously the big contracts of like D. Gordon, Kyle Seager will be listened to. Although I think he's probably pretty firmly in their plans for 2020. Um, 
you know, you just kind of start looking at Domingo Santana, Malik Smith, Mitch Hanniger. Uh, we talked about, you talked about all those guys. Uh, so subtractions are still coming. And with those will come obviously additions. Um, but you start going around the diamond and you go, okay, well, let's say they trade Omar Narvaez. Then they're going to need a catcher, right? Well, I mean, they have Tom Murphy still and, and Austin Nola. They're going to let those guys play. Oh, well, yeah. you know, they need a first baseman. Well, I mean, they seem to think Evan White can win the job. And if Evan White has to start the year in AAA, then they can probably just roll with Bogle back um, at first base for a while. They don't need a guy there. Uh, second base belongs to Shed Long. Shortstop belongs to J.P. Crawford. Third base belongs to Seager. And you already talked about all the outfielders that they have. Um, so you just kind of you go down to the, the rotation. And you're like, okay, well, Marco Gonzalez, assuming he doesn't get traded, is a lock. You say Kikuchi's a lock. Justice Sheffield's probably a lock. I mean, so now you're looking at two spots. You need to fill two spots, but with Logan Gilbert really close, Justin Dunn really close. Um, you know, you're going to let those guys start this year and see if they can start before you decide that they can't. Uh, so you're kind of looking at it, you go, well, okay, so you may not need to go out and sign Jake Odorizzi, but you're probably going to sign, I mean, you know, there's, you're probably going to sign a veteran major leaguer on a one-year deal or go trade for that guy um, to at least kind of stabilize you beforehand. Uh, I think Seattle is going to be very interested in the uh, the bounce-back candidates. I think signing a guy like Rick Porcello is still very much, you know, very much a thing because by the time Porcello, you know, rebuilds some value in theory, Dunn or Gilbert will be ready to go and you'll throw them up there. And so then you start looking at the bullpen. I mean, geez, I mean, how many bullpen guys do we have that they, that we think can be major leaguers? I mean, yeah. 10, 11, 12. I mean, so you just kind of start going through the list and you're like, well, Again, if the plan is to play these guys and let them get all this playing time and then kind of reassess where you are in July and then, you know, in the offseason next year, then, yeah, it kind of stands to reason that they would have a quieter offseason in terms of, you know, acquisitions. It makes sense. So, um, I mean, and all that being said, Jerry's still going to make moves. Mm. Jerry's not capable of sitting there and just letting the team, okay, well, this is, I'm done. Like, that's not in his nature. Jerry is going to make moves. So you can sit here and say, oh, it's going to be modest. They're still going to sign free agents. They're still going to make trades. Like I said, the players coming back may be modest. Uh, like they're not going to go trade for Mookie Betts. That was never really going to happen anyways. Um, they're not going to go trade for Chris Bryant. Um, but that doesn't mean they're not going to go trade for like Jose Peraza. You know, I, I don't know. They're going to make trades. They're going to add players to the major league roster because they have to, because Jerry DePoto has never wavered off the idea that by 2021, we will compete for a playoff spot. And then 2022 is kind of what we see as year one of our window. Well, if you still believe that Jerry, then you do need to add players this off season because you need to be better in 2020 than you were in 2019. You don't have to be 90 wins, but you got to be, definitely closer to 70 to 75 than to 68. So um, we'll see how all that works out. But yeah, overall, I, I, I don't think, I, I think people are taking it in a way that they shouldn't. Um, they're, they're listening to words, but they're not looking at actions. And if you think that Jerry DePoto is just going to spend an entire off season, you know, sitting on his feet after he just trades D Gordon, then you're insane. So <laughs> uh, it's really that simple to me. Yeah, I think it's. Um, well, I think I think it's really just this year is about opening the door for a lot of these young guys to significantly play, um, and then you know, and, and like you said, reassessing what you have at, at in July, setting yourself up for the first competitive off season of. Um, of this rebuild you know this is next year is going to be the off season where they might actually go out and spend some money in free agency and they might go out and, you know and do what uh you know what the cubs did back back when they started their window what the astros did when they started their window etc cetera, etc cetera. i think that's what we're heading towards at this time next year um you know and and again the, of course that's that's all depending on on how they do next year but I still think that they're far 
and wide ahead of uh, you know teams like Detroit, Chicago, um, Baltimore, uh, Toronto. I, I think those teams that I, I think they will perform better than, and, and I think they will be closer to eighty wins than sixty five. Um, so we'll see, but I think uh, I think really this year is just about setting themselves up for what's to come. And uh, twenty twenty and the twenty twenty one offseason is going to be huge for this rebuild, rebuild, and, and where they want to go. And I, I think they're setting themselves up nicely. You know, all this money is coming out of the books now. You know, Felix is coming off the books right now, so that's twenty seven million dollars you have freed up that you didn't have for so long, uh, and that is really significant, especially when you consider how. Uh, weird the free agency market has been over the last couple of years and how cheap some really good players have come. I mean, you look at the deal that Nick Marcus signed in the offseason last year. I mean, shoot. So, you know, it's it's been, uh, yeah, it, it's it, I think they're in a really good position. Um, and I think you know, they'll, they'll, you know, Jerry's going to do what, what Jerry does and, and uh, he's going to find some some intriguing names and there's going to be a lot to talk about. I think, you know, in terms of additions, I, you know, even if he isn't going to add a whole lot, I think you you got to pay attention to what he does add because he's been very much right on most of these guys, at least over the last year. And even when it comes to guys like the, the minor league signings, because look what they found in, in Austin Ola. And, you know, even Dylan Moore was pretty solid this year, all things considered. So I'm... I'm really, I'm really fired up for the off season. I know you are too. And as we're going to get deeper in, into the off season and with all the talk and everything, and it's, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how they attack this and what what their game plan truly is. Because for me, you know, it's all about um, setting setting yourself up for what's to come. Right. They, like you said, this off season for me is about um, setting yourself up for next off season. Um, And so I think you'll see some one year deals, particularly out of the bullpen. Uh, Like I said, I still think you'll probably, you'll see a first baseman be brought in. um, Perhaps not, uh, perhaps not, you know, any big names, but I think, or any major league deals even, but I still think you'll see, you know, the, the veteran, type Lucas Duda on a minor league deal or something like, I mean, you'll see something like that. Well, keep uh, in mind rosters expand. So you're going to have an extra player that's yep. likely going to be an extra positional player. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. So I, I still expect there to be uh, quite, quite a busy off season. Um, you know, and it's just one of those things that, you know, you go back to last year and the very notion that the Mariners would go after you say Kikuchi was pretty much laughed at, um, you know, despite what we were telling you guys, despite what, uh, despite how logical it actually made sense, like on paper and all that stuff. And it was just, no, the Mariners are rebuilding. They're not going to spend money. No, the Mariners are going to, they have already said they're trying to get rid of money. They're not going to spend money. And it was all seemed ridiculous until he signed on the dotted line. Um, and look at that. What do you know? So, uh, they're definitely going to be uh, flexible. They're going to, if a Nick Markakis like player who makes sense for them, uh, you know, their Nick Markakis basically is sitting around in January and they can get them on a one year, $6 million deal or whatever it is. They're going to do it. Uh, they're going to take that chance, but they're not going to block anybody long term. So if you, you know, if you think that the Mariners are going to go out and sign, you know, they're going to, Oh, look at the Mariners. They're, I want them to go sign. I I can't even think of anybody good. Go sign Nick Castellanos to a one hundred million dollar contract, so he can block, you know, right field from Kyle Lewis, Mitch Haniger, Jake Fraley, Julio Rodriguez, Kelnick. No, yes, yeah. yeah, they're not. They're not going to hand out five, six, seven year deals. It's just not going to happen. Um, yeah. Two three-year deals, making some trades, adding some veterans to this team, uh, that also makes sense for them next year. Yeah, that that can totally happen, um, and I I expect it to happen as well. So we'll see yeah. how uh, all that works out. But um, yeah, I'm not I'm not 
you know, overly concerned that all of a sudden the Mariners are just going to sit around all winter and watch all these other teams do stuff. And they're just going to be like, no, we're good. Like, I'm not concerned about that at all. Jerry DePoto is not the type of person to be content with what he has. No, he's not. Um, so we'll see, like I said, we'll see how all that works out. I don't, I think what you'll see is a majority of the moves are going to be made on the pitching side of things. Um, yep. And I think a majority of the moves are going to be clearing out the players they need to clear out to give the young guys they like so much an opportunity to play every day. Um, but that doesn't mean that you're not getting anything valuable for those players. If you move Mitch Haniger, you're going to get a valuable player. Um, and maybe you kill two birds with one stone. Maybe you trade Mitch Haniger and you get that starting pitcher that, you know, is already, you know, proven in the big leagues that he's a number three. And you say, okay, well, now we have that taken care of. Um, you know, maybe you get your own Zach Gallon or whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I think this idea that, oh, they're just going to keep trading away guys, not really building for anything. And it's like, well, no, they're trading away guys so they can continue to build. Um, and I, I, I think that's going to be interesting. I think most people will look at the season and say, or this offseason say, well, look at all these guys they trade, major leaguers they traded for prospects or, you know, whatever it is. I mean, they're clearly 2021's out the window now. No, it's, it's not. It's still on the table. Um, there's almost nothing they could do that would make me question uh, 2021, whether or not it's on the table or not. I mean, yeah. I can't think of anything. Yeah. Yeah, even if they trade from, you know, some of their young players, that that's just a sign of being aggressive. So I really, yeah, I don't see any sort of move that would signal otherwise. Yeah. I mean, because the Mariners are in pretty good shape in terms of uh, where they want to be in 2021. Uh, I think they'll make an addition, at least one addition, uh, that will kind of leave that uh, in focus and say, yeah, okay, I mean, that's a move to be ready in, by 2021. I think you'll see at least one of those. And um, I think you'll see, you know, in July we'll be busier or will be busy in terms of adding this year. Um, and then next off season, I think they, they look for that final piece or final piece or two that kind of put them over the top. Um, and so, yeah, this, this off season kind of sets up what you have to do next year to get to where you want to be in 2021. And I'm really excited to cover it. Yep. Sam, it's going to be, going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun, uh, talking about it all with you guys. Um, and, uh, you know, just, just from us at the site real quick, I, I just want to say thank you to everyone for, for reading and, and listening to the podcast and everything. It's going to be a really fun off season now that we're, we're into it. And, uh, man, I'm just, I'm ready to go. Last, last year was so much fun. Um, and, you know, obviously we, we talked about, you know, it's, it's going to be a little bit quieter, but it, it's still going to be really busy and we're going to have a lot of fun talking and speculating and all that. It's just, it's. Yeah, I I know what it's like for you, and for me, it's the same thing. It's just it's probably the most fun that I could have of any part of baseball season, really. Yeah, it's um, in season things can kind of turn into a grind. You're trying to figure out a way to talk about, you know, Justice Sheffield slider for the thirtieth time. Um, yeah. The off season, it's just it's our playground, and uh, you know, it's it's a little bit like our break. Uh, and like Ty mentioned, uh, thank you for joining us throughout the uh, regular season. So, <coughs> uh, anyways, <laughs> uh, and just a quick shout out to the staff here at Soto Mojo, uh, for helping us get through 2019. Yep. And as you guys have noticed already, we've kind of turned the corner. Um, we're writing more and more about off season stuff. We have a, a post up yesterday about Miguel and Dahar and whether or not that could be a possibility. Uh, we had a post today uh, that talked about whether or not uh, that talked about uh, how the, how Josh uh, who writes for us thinks that uh, the Mariners should surprise everybody and go out and acquire JD Martinez, which is probably not going to happen, but also not something you're going to, not something we're going to dismiss uh, either. So, 
We're going to write about a lot of possibilities, a lot of uh, even improbabilities. We'll still write about them because they're interesting and they're worth talking about. So uh, that's what you have to look forward to this off season. So uh, Ty, any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Well, and also if you want to be a, uh, a bigger part of the conversation, feel free to apply. We're always looking for writers and um, uh, just go to fan sided openings and uh, get, uh, submit a proposal and we'll get you on board. Um, we're really looking for, for people that are just enthused about what the Mariners are doing. But even if you are critical of what the Mariners are doing, we would love to have your opinion and, and get it out there. We uh, we're really uh, open about all different aspects of, of, of the Mariners uh, rebuild and, and what they're doing. And um, yeah, if you want to be a part of the conversation, you are more than welcome to. So I believe it's fansided.com slash openings, right? Uh, that is correct. You scroll down to the bottom. There's an application is what it's called. It's just your first name, your last name and your email address. Uh, they'll send you what you need to get started via email. So you just fill that out, hit submit, and then you'll, that'll help get you rolling. Um, if you guys have trouble f- uh, finding it, you can always reach out to us on Twitter at SotoMojoFS. We'll help you get started. Um, and, yeah, it'd be nice to have some, uh, some new voice. It's always fun when we have a, add a new voice or two, uh, kind of a new perspective yep. uh, into our group chat and uh, you know publishing it on, and getting it onto our site. So. Uh, make sure you guys do that. Um, make sure you guys follow us on Twitter, as I just mentioned, the the handle there, at SotoMojoFS. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to – I imagine we're going to do quite a few, you know, AMAs this offseason. We're also going to do um, – you know, we'll also ask for questions on the podcast, and we talk about ideas. And if you guys want us to talk about Player X, then let us know, and we'll probably write about it. Uh, just a really fun time. We, uh, the off seasons are party time, like I said. And so anything we can talk about, um, any idea is basically, um, something we're willing to discuss and uh, it's just a lot of fun. You know, just, there's no, no bad ideas in the off season, um, or at least no ideas so bad that we won't at least discuss it. So uh, make sure you reach out to us. Twitter is the best way to do that at Soto Mojo FS. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any new episodes. They said the fun doesn't stop just because the season's over. Off-season podcasts can go off the wall crazy. Um, <laughs> they really are insane sometimes. Um, and they're usually a lot longer than this one. But uh, I do want to mention on the website uh, real fast here is that our off-season plan is going to be published uh, either during the World Series or shortly after the World Series. Um you know, we, uh, we're going to start uh, putting word out on that. Um, so if you guys enjoy that, that's coming out sometime in the next month. Um, we're hoping to get to run our off-season simulation again. Uh, there's some new leadership here at uh, 12th, Ma- or Jesus, here at SotoMojo.com. Um, so in, in the MLB division of Fansided altogether. So we're trying to put that together. It's a lot of fun. I, you guys seem to enjoy that as well. Um, where a bunch of us nerds get together and pretend to be GMs because nobody will hire us in real life. Um, so, so this, that's hey, kind of, man, this is, this is our chance to prove ourselves this year. <laughs> that's right, man. Somebody's going to read this. I, I hear the Atlanta Braves are hiring in their front office. So, you know, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm looking. <laughs> that's right. Consider this our resume. Uh, but yeah, you know, so hopefully we can get that going again. That usually happens sometimes uh, in mid November. Um, so kind of some two really major things at the site happening. And of course that, in, that doesn't include all of our day to day work where we are looking for trades, looking for free agents, trying to figure things out and, uh, hoping for the best. So uh, make sure you guys visit the website, sotomojo.com for all of that stuff as well. Uh, I think that is going to be a wrap on the 2019 regular season podcast last week was kind of that too but we did talk about some things that had to do with the 2019 season i think starting next week we're really looking ahead to 2020 and uh that starts by talking about what's happened during the winter so um ty real quick do you want to give a uh a world series prediction here before we uh sign off before the playoffs yeah all right um i'm gonna go I'm going to go Astros over Dodgers and six. Oh, that's so lame. I know. I, I know. Like but it, I mean, 
I know, but I mean that they're the they're the they're two the best, best teams. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm calling it now. Minnesota versus Atlanta. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> that would be a really fun. I, I really like the idea of like a Tampa Bay versus Milwaukee uh, World Series amazing. just to kind of be like, hey, screw you, New York, Boston, L.A., Houston. <laughs> like, yeah, we don't want your big markets. We're going to go We're gonna go with Tampa Bay and Milwaukee. Um, yeah. But, I mean, it, it's hard to – it's really hard not to look at this and say, okay, in the AL, it's either the Astros or the Yankees. And in the NL, it's the Dodgers. I mean, it's, it's really hard not to look at it that way. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. I, I, I think Milwaukee, they're entering the playoffs red hot. So that's always, they're dangerous. Uh, yeah. Atlanta is a team I would really like to see play well as well. Milwaukee is um, getting uh Yelich back. Like by the, like if they, if they win tonight, of course they, they, Aren't they supposed to get him back by the CS if they were to make it there? I don't think so. I, I think he fractured his kneecap, right? I mean, I heard something like he may only miss like three to four weeks or something like that, like a couple of weeks ago. I, I don't know. I saw I saw something about that with our uh, from our pals at reviewing the brew. We'll have to ask them about that. But uh, if you guys are wondering, that's where our alliance lies uh, this uh, this postseason with the Brewers. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, go brew, and uh, uh, yeah, our nice little two-year alliance with uh, reviewing the brew. Um, we're gonna do some serious damage if that battle royale ever breaks out between all the side experts. So um, <laughs> it's nice to have that alliance. Yep. When Hunger Games fan sided 1.0 comes out, whew, <laughs> we're gonna do some work. Yeah. Especially to those losers in Texas and Los Angeles. <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm rooting for Milwaukee um, because I'm con- contractually obligated to do so. Um, yep. But Same. I, I also do think Milwaukee's a pretty fun team. So um, Yeah, they are. Except we'll see how all this works out. But uh, I, I, I think it's going to be a fun, a fun uh, postseason. And, you know, just kind of a... You know, when you miss baseball, you just flip that on and uh, just kind of watch without any real rooting interest. And uh, I hope you guys do, because I, that's pretty much how I use the postseason, you know, since I've really never been a part of one. Uh, so anyways, uh, thank you guys so much for listening and I will see you in another life. Peace out. Peace.